From the Technology Association of Iowa, welcome to the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Waller, with my co-host, Molly Ross. This podcast will provide an exclusive look into technology-focused legislation during the 2021 session at the Iowa State House. We will speak with state lawmakers and Iowa technology companies from various industries on specific tech legislation, what it means for Iowans, and how it may impact technology companies across the state. The Iowa Tech Policy Podcast is proudly presented by Shazam, a member-owned debit network, processor, and core provider that believes community-based financial institutions strengthen and improve local communities. Learn more at shazam.net. Additional support provided by Davis Brown Law Firm, Google, and ProCircular. I'm here with Senator Liz Mathis, who represents District 34 in Eastern Iowa. Senator Mathis, welcome to the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. Thanks, Molly. This is kind of exciting. We're excited to have you here. (laughs) So you are on the Commerce Subcommittee assigned to what's commonly known as the Anti-Big Tech Bill, our Senate File 580. Can you tell us a little bit about the bill and the process that it went through prior to passage in the Senate? Yes. Basically, the bill rolled out in a subcommittee. And so I had time prior to read through the bill, and I was quite surprised what was in the bill. And basically, this is what the bill does. If anyone across the state of Iowa has a problem with uh, their free speech or their speech on a social media platform, and in the bill there are descriptions of what that is, if they have a problem with that or they're mad about that or they feel they've been wronged, they can go to the attorney general's office. The attorney general's office will um, investigate that. And the case could move forward into the courts. And let's say down the road, if the courts decide that um, this was a violation of that person's freedoms or free speech, then uh, the ruling would affect every contract that any of the big tech companies have signed with any counties, cities, municipalities, and even some school districts in some cases where grants are applied. And it would negate the contracts and it would be retroactive. So they would have to pay back uh, all the incentive that they've used. And it also prohibits them for five years after that ruling to do any business in the state of Iowa. So you can imagine how many businesses that would affect, how many jobs that would affect, how many communities and even supply chain. So other companies, of course, are attracted to big tech, you know, they are able to set up business alongside big tech or close to there um, <clears throat> because of the possible business that they could get. You know, so, so that's a problem, especially since we've been promoting business and economic development in Iowa for so long and setting up incentives um, just like what they've been given. So you started to touch on that a little bit. Um, you were opposed to the bill in the subcommittee and through the, through the floor debate. Can you share with us some more of your perspective on why this is bad for Iowa? 
Yeah, first of all, I think it is um, very uh, pointed toward what happened during the Trump administration. So I believe that the author of the bill, Jake Chapman, although the bill is rich with discourse, and I told him, you know, this is just such a deep, deep argument about the First Amendment. I, I rather enjoyed arguing it. But at the same time, I said it's very destructive, um, Senator Chapman. And I said, I think you've made your point. And he said, oh, I'm far from making a point, Senator Mathis. We're going to go forward with this. So those were the conversations, um, you know, around the subcommittee. It was very apparent that Senator Chapman and Senator Schultz were mad uh, what had happened to President Trump in regard to, you know, his Twitter feed taken down, uh, some of his posts blocked, and quite frankly, some other people that they felt had been wronged and their comments taken down as well. And they felt that both of them felt that it was, quote unquote, liberals from Silicon Valley are not telling Iowa what to do. So it was, it became a political conversation and vengeful, vengeful, I, I, that's my description uh, of, of what they wanted to do. And I, I said to Senator Chapman, I think there's a better way to handle this because you're punishing cities and communities that want to grow. You're taking two issues and you're joining them in an inappropriate business way. And so uh, that was one of the things that that we talked about. How could this be handled differently? Um, Senator Chapman said, uh, Senator Mathis, uh, 56 men died for the Bill of Rights. We're going to stand up for our freedoms. And so the discussion got very deep about what are our freedoms and what is protected speech and who follows that protected speech. What I found interesting, though, was even in the argument about protected speech, the bill rewrites the First Amendment, which is not what you want to do if you really believe in the Bill of Rights. And if you really believe in the First Amendment, you're not going to try to rewrite it. Um, so we had a lot of rich discussion around uh, whose speech is protected. And the government cannot intervene in private companies' speech. And that's the bottom line for me as a former journalist. Um, my uh, reporting was protected under the First Amendment. What I could do and what I could say was protected. But there were many things that I couldn't say. There were still rules around, uh, you know, the um, obscenity. There were still rules around what words I could use. And then, of course, there's libel and slander, right? So there are even uh, court cases around, even if you feel like you're making you know, free speech, even if you're saying something that you feel is free speech and your patriotic duty to say, you could still be sued under libel laws. Uh, there are red flag words that journalists don't use, like the word alcoholic or liar or things like that. So even journalists have to follow some rules around that if they don't want to get sued in civil court. So, you know, it was about rules. How are they enacted? I even used the example for Senator uh, Chapman. He's the president of the Senate. And I said, you know, we have a rule nine. You could call rule nine on somebody and say, hey, and I don't like what they're saying. And, and he becomes the arbiter of, you know, the punishment basically is, you know, you have to apologize to the other senator. And I said, but nowhere in the rules does it say we have to apologize. You have decided that those are your rules. And so we talked about how free speech, you know, I could go out on the stairs of the Capitol and I could say whatever I want, but inside the chamber, ah, we have rules. So it was a good, it was a rich discussion, but in the end, the business people out there are saying, what, why, you know, how far does this go? So it's big tech today 
is it going to be my small company tomorrow if you disagree with something that I put on my website? Or is it going to be Microsoft and um, some of the things in the platform that, uh, you know, school children use? Is it e-records and medical records? That's also on a platform and doctors are writing notes and they may be encrypted and confidential, but how far does it go? How far does our reach into first speech go? So it was, this was so unusual because these two pieces collided. And you mentioned much of the discussion was around the First Amendment. Do you believe that state legislatures should be should be having these conversations and making this, these decisions on individual bases like this? Well, you can. I mean, you you can do that. Be, there are several uh, court cases every year uh, from Iowa that originate in Iowa that are discussed in Iowa courts around something around the First Amendment, around free speech issues, around the release of videos or the release of content or uh, around police protections and around things that people might say uh, at their private business. And the First Amendment rule always applies no matter if it's from a state or it's a federal case that might end up in the Supreme Court. Um, and, And many First Amendment cases have ended up in the Supreme Court. But really, When you go back to what the First Amendment allows is that private companies do not fall under that. They're able to do and set rules as they wish around what they feel is a um, is verbiage that's threatening. So they set up a policy that says, you know, uh, things like um, I'm going to shoot Nancy Pelosi. You can't say that. And so those are the things that have been taken down. Or Tide Pods, you know, when kids were ingesting those, and all of the Tide Pod challenge, well, they took that down because it was dangerous. It was a safety issue with children or teenagers. And so at some point, um, big tech, although, you know, people are still critical over, you know, what they've been doing and kind of what, you know, the the comments they've been taking down, big tech still has to set up rules. There There has to be a parameter around what's safe. You can't just say, I'm going to murder you. You know, (laughs) you've got to make sure that that's taken down. You don't want dangerousness, you know, as a part of protected free speech. For sure. And and you mentioned this bill could have large effects, not only on the big tech companies that's targeted, but companies across our state. Have you heard from constituents in your area uh, about this bill either way? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, Several economic development groups. So um, in my area, there are three uh, groups in three of the cities. And uh, right away, uh, they contacted me and said, what is this bill in the first place? We don't quite understand what the what it is, because it's it's written kind of in an odd way. Um, And it doesn't start with the complaint. It starts with actually the agreements uh, between the companies and the and the municipalities or cities or counties, and it talks about that. Um, so when you start reading the bill, it doesn't quite make sense right away. But as you as you read on, then you see the connection. So yeah, they they first they wanted to know what the bill was about, and secondly, how would it affect them? And so when I I said this is just the deepest damage <laughs> for economic growth that you can imagine. So um, so that's the problem they had. Then I got a call from a business developer who does construction for one of the big tech uh, businesses. And he said that actually one of the big tech companies who called him and said, we were thinking about building in Iowa. We are not anymore because of this bill. And they were, they decided that maybe they would look in Illinois to build 
their next big building. And so um, it has had a chilling effect, I think, on not only big tech, but a lot of supply chain businesses and a lot of communities that are considering, um, you know, promoting their um, land that they have, uh, the ease ease of transportation, our uh, solar and wind energy, you know, kind of upends all of that. So to take a little bit of a turn here, you are a member of the Governor's STEM Advisory Council. Can you talk about what it means to have technology and other STEM-based companies headquartered and growing here in Iowa? Oh, yeah. It's our future. Innovative, uh, you know, technology or just innovation in general and creativity is going to be what propels us forward. So we can't keep doing things the same way all the time. We've got to instill some of that technology, a lot of that technology into our future, whether we're building roads, whether we are, um, you know, uh, promoting clean energy, whether we are talking about clean water and, and the quality of life here, you know, quality education, great health care. And it's all intertwined. We can't separate it at all. And I think in STEM, we talk about innovation and what's going on inside the classroom and how we can promote that. And this is just an outgrowth of that because if big tech comes here, we get a lot of advantages to that. Not only do we get um, job growth in construction and people who are working there, but we also get the great optics of that. You know, oh, Google located there, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft. What does Iowa have that we should be looking at? And so where STEM is, where STEM is mentioned, it's really more about innovation, creativity, and then really the coming together of what those engineering and math um, essentials are needed for growth like this. I really appreciate you talking with us today, Senator Mathis. Before you go, is there anything else you'd like to share with Iowa's technology community about your goals for the remainder of session or for our state? Well, yeah, yeah, I have, Molly. It's, um, you know, I'm just thinking about uh, the policy. First of all, it's flawed. You know, it's just flawed from the start. But it did initiate some very rich discussion. But it took time up. And that time we could have been spent talking about quality education, that time we could have spent talking about innovative growth and our, you know, growth and economic development. And for that, uh, you know, even though we talked about the First Amendment and our rights under the First Amendment and we reviewed that, I still think that time well spent would have been about growing Iowa and growing our future. Senator Mathis, thank you so much for your service to the state of Iowa. And thank you for joining us on the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. Thank you. Next on the podcast, Brian Waller sits down with Dave Tucker, partner at Next Level Ventures. But first, a brief message from Denton's Davis Brown. It doesn't matter which party controls the legislative or executive branches. A business needs to succeed in every political environment. My name is Sydney Gangstead with the Denton's Davis Brown Law Firm. I represent a number of businesses and business associations in Des Moines and across the state of Iowa. Each week, my colleague, Tim Coonan, and I provide an easily digestible summary of what happened at the Iowa Capitol and why it's important to Iowa businesses. Head over to Dentons.com for more information. I'm here with Dave Tucker, partner at Next Level Ventures. Dave, welcome to the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. Thanks, Brian. I'm glad to be here. 
So uh, before we get into uh, our discussion today, uh, can you give our listeners a little background about your experience uh, with Workiva and now with Next Level Ventures? Yeah, Workiva, you know, as I tell people, is kind of the ride of a lifetime. Uh, There were a couple of founders who had this idea about revolutionizing financial reporting. And when I joined, there were a small group of people sitting around a table in, in a small conference room, a small office with this idea about how can we leverage the cloud, you know, the latest technology to really build something that's revolutionary. And I still remember the very first time we went and filed a 10Q, you know, we we're still learning what a 10Q was for a company. And I remember sitting at Meredith Corporation, you know, with sweat running down my back as, as we pushed the button to get that first filing out there. We didn't know if it was going to work until it showed up on the SEC site. And then we just had the right product at the right time. And, and we grew in the next 10 years were uh, a lot of work. In some ways, it was it was kind of a blur, but we ended up, you know, growing then to 1,600 people across 20 offices, you know, now like $350 million in revenue and four and $5 billion market cap and, and used by like 75% of the Fortune 500. And it was, you know, I say it was just that Silicon Valley experience that was an opportunity of a lifetime. And, and it was a great experience. And now I have an opportunity with Next Level Ventures to kind of sit on the other side of the table and go find those companies in Iowa or some even nationally that that have a great idea. We're looking to try and invest in them, help mentor them. Venture capital, I'm finding, is just another really interesting opportunity. Um, And I've got to do it all here in Iowa. We interviewed uh, Senator Liz Mathis around the topic of Senate File 580, uh, or otherwise known as the anti-big tech bill. And so your experience kind of lends itself to this conversation perfectly. You were the former uh, chair of the TAI Public Policy Committee. You're currently uh, serve on that committee as well. Uh, Can you talk about why uh, TAI was formally in opposition of that bill? Well, I think it's important to set some context first. You know, some might have the impression that that TAI, it's, it's a bunch of liberal tech companies. The reality is it's a lot of companies across tech, but also manufacturing, insurance, healthcare, because we feel that every company is essentially a technology company today. You know, there are liberal, conservative, Democrats, Republicans, especially on, on the policy committee. And this bill caused a lot of debate among us. Because one of the things, you know, from TAI's standpoint, we believe our mission is to promote technology industry in Iowa. That means things like education, diversity, inclusion, investment, and recruiting technology workers, technology companies to the state. So what we look at when we look at different bills is, do these help us accomplish that mission? And so we felt if what's going out on social media and the headlines is is not directly helping to bring people in Iowa and position it as a more inclusive place, it's not really going to help that cause, you know, of what we're trying to do. And, you know, we do understand that social media is is an issue in our in our country that we need to deal with right now. We don't want social media and big tech to all be kind of lumped together. Because to us, they're really kind of different things. We do believe that we need to talk about what's happening with social media, but we believe that's a national issue. 
So if Iowa, if other states want to go together and say, hey, this is something we need to deal with, let's have a national conversation and let's really deal with it. Because if we just say, Iowa, we don't want to have tech companies here if they're doing this, you know, most large tech companies would just say, fine, I'll go somewhere else. Or tech workers would say, you know, I'm not going to move there. I'll go somewhere else. So so that was really kind of our rationale behind this decision on that bill. Okay. Uh, if I can dive back into your time at Workiva, um, you grew, like you said, from one to two employees to 1,600 and you grew here in Ames, Iowa. To do that, you worked with, quote unquote, big tech to get there. Can you help talk about your experience working with some of these companies that are kind of thrown under that big label or brand of big tech? Yeah, we worked a lot with Google and Amazon in particular. Uh, we spent a lot of time at their place. They spent a lot of time here in Iowa. Uh, you know, we found there are a lot of Midwesterners there who had moved to a coast to have to have a job in in technology. And, you know, it was a very collaborative uh, experience. They were impressed with what they saw of, of the technology people that are here in Iowa. But we were all really trying to figure out the same things. Like, how do we really leverage technology today to create this infrastructure that's there and available for everyone? For us, it was really a good and a positive experience working with them. Um, sometimes they get a bad reputation being big tech, but, you know, we didn't really see it like that. So you were quoted and interviewed for the Des Moines business record. Uh, and you talked about the impact that bills can have on the Iowa technology industry, uh, whether that's outwardly or inwardly. Can you talk about how bills such as Senate file 580 or others like that, that could possibly negatively impact our industry here in Iowa? Well, again, I'm, I'm coming at it from a point of view as from a technology company. We're trying to recruit people to Iowa um, as a venture capital firm. We're trying to recruit companies to Iowa, help them build and grow in Iowa. When, when what's on social media is not about all the things we're doing to make Iowa a great place to build a technology company, but are trying to constrain individuals or companies it, it just it, it makes it harder. And, and I don't feel like it lines up with what we're really trying to accomplish. You know, Iowa has a lot of great people who are very inclusive. And, and this is a great place to build a company. But if that's not what's coming across on social media, it, it makes it really tough. So let's dive in a little more there. You help uh, companies and try to help companies move into Iowa through your time at Next Level Ventures. What are companies looking for in an ecosystem to either locate their company there or grow their company there? Well, I think first and foremost, you're looking for the population of workers. Am I going to be able to find good employees for my company? If it's a tech company, are they highly educated employees? Is this going to be an environment that will be welcoming to our company? Will it be easy for us to recruit people here? Will we be able to have a relationship, a working relationship with our community, uh, with our, our government, will this be a place that we'll want to bring people to? And yes, tax credits, financial incentives are always part of that package. You know, that's that's a part of the way companies negotiate. You know, part of what to look at is if that part's not easy, you know, we'll just go someplace else. And so that's a part of the picture, but I don't I don't think it's necessarily the biggest part of the picture for a lot of companies. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, were you employee number 14 at Workiva? 
And that's that's been a source of debate. Yeah, somewhere in there, Marty right? at one point told me I was like number eight, but at the time I don't remember hearing that or, or knowing about it. Um, so I, I was somewhere early. Okay, so you sat there and watched this whole thing. So what would you like to tell Iowa lawmakers, or what would you like them to know about building a tech company in Iowa? It always comes down to finding great workers, great great employees, um, smart people, people who like to work together, and we need more of them here. You know, if, if, if I had an opportunity to see a headline out there which said, Miss, Mrs., Mr., technology worker, and your spouse or your partner, how about this? Look at Jefferson, Iowa. You could come to Jefferson, have fiber internet running to your house. You can have a co-working space that's state-of-the-art on a newly refurbished town square. You have a brand new state-of-the-art high school. You can buy a house there for the cost of your garage in San Jose. You don't have fences between your houses. You just have your neighbors. Your kids can run around the neighborhood and nobody worries about them. If stories like that were what people were hearing about Iowa, think what it would do for us and our ability to bring people here and really create a technology community. Well, we will uh, continue to share the gospel according to Dave Tucker. Uh, you mentioned Jefferson, <laughs> Iowa. I know you're the pride of Jefferson, Iowa. We we're born and raised there, now in Ames, Iowa. But uh, Dave Tucker, uh, partner at Next Level Ventures, thanks so much for joining us today on the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. Thank you, Brian. It was great to be here. That wraps up this episode of the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. At TAI, we believe every company is a technology company. Join us over at technologyiowa.org to help build and unite Iowa's technology community. If you like this podcast, please share it with your colleagues and friends. Thank you to Shazam, Davis Brown Law Firm, Google, and Pro Circular for making this podcast a reality. Thanks for listening. <laughs>